Hello, and welcome to our second episode of Dad Discovers Music. I'm Maeve. And I'm Dad. <laughs> and today we are going to be talking for the second time about Legacy Legacy by Jamila Woods. Oh, and the reason we're doing this the second time is this is a re-recording. Uh, we briefly released episode two and then mm -hmm. retracted it mm -hmm. uh, because we realized very quickly that it was not what we wanted it to be. And I want to offer a sincere apology to everyone, both to the artists we talk about, people who download our podcast, and and anyone else in between. Uh, the podcast we put out was not uh, keeping with some core ideas that we established for ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about not punching on artists, and I think I, I know that I did that. Um, and that was not fair. Mm -hmm. And I also know that I was glib throughout mm -hmm. and saying things like, I don't really want to do the research and I don't really yeah. want to look into what this artist is challenging me to look into. And as an almost 50 year old, I should know better. Mm -hmm. uh, anytime you're glib, you are wrong. And, <laughs> and I sincerely apologize because uh, the way that I portrayed myself was not the way that I want to be portrayed to the world and not the way that I think anyone should portray themselves to the yeah. world or, or, you know, offer their yeah. opinions. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I can't not like, I, I can't not like an album or like an album, but I do need to put the work in. And so mm -hmm. going forward, my promise is to put the work in and to not be so glib and to be a little more sincere mm -hmm. uh, about what we're doing in this mm -hmm. project. So yeah. sincerest apologies. If you did download it and listen to it, uh, I'm sorry as well. Feel free to not listen to this one because <laughs> maybe it will be similar to the last. I, to be honest, it was two weeks ago and I've forgotten a lot of what I've said. So maybe yeah. this is all going to be new too. I don't yeah. know. So you might want to listen. But uh, again, sincerest apologies all around and hopefully uh, I can do better and we can do better moving forward. So we are going to talk about Legacy Legacy by Jamila Woods. It was my favorite album of 2019. Um, Woods is kind of a personal hero of mine. I want to try not to hero worship, but I'm just putting that out there because <laughs> I'm a really big fan. Um, she's a songwriter and a poet. She's the Associate Artistic Director of Young Chicago Authors. Um, and she's worked with a lot of kind of up-and-coming Chicago artists like No Name and Saba features on this record. We wanted to start by talking about Betty, which is based on Betty Davis, the funk musician. Every um, Every track on this album is kind of an ode to or based on um, a, a influential non-white um, legend from history. Yeah, in specifically in the entertainment industry. Mostly, yeah. Mostly, yes. Yeah. Mostly in, in entertainment, arts and letters, that kind Literature, of... Literature, yeah. Yeah, sort of the arts, I guess, is mm -hmm. a better way to put it than entertainment. Um, and this is the point where I, you know, sort of said, well, I, I finally realized that halfway through the album, but didn't do research. So I've yeah. corrected that and yeah. gone back. And I didn't know a lot about Betty Davis before mm -hmm. um, and found out uh, uh, this woman's had a pretty amazing life. Um, and the mm -hmm. way her life is intersected with other people's lives and yeah. music, I had no idea about. Mm -hmm. uh, and it really brought into context a lot of the song. This already was a song I... I I gravitated towards yeah. the first time I heard it. I think yeah. the more I've heard the album since, it's one I definitely gravitate towards. It has a great 
piano intro and that (laughs) it just i can feel it like in my hands like it's the chorus it's so beautiful i am not your typical girl yeah it's uh i it's hard not to like this song um and the poetry in it uh i think uh the one one of the few things i remember from the previous podcast is i thought it was uh had a very chill vibe with very undecidedly chill non-chill lyrics <laughs> non-chill. non-chill lyrics non-chill. Uh, it was it's it got fierce lyrics mm-hmm. uh with a very smooth sound and yeah. I, it sounds in that way very much like the artist betty davis herself uh, yeah, in terms um, of her music and her life speaking of the connection um i've been reading and rereading this pitchfork article <laughs> where uh woods breaks down pretty much every single track on the record and she said that she's always been fascinated by women artists and relationships with more prominent male artists and how that affected their careers. And then she went on to say that the second verse of Betty questions the tension that exists when women want to step outside of the box that's prescribed to them and how men sometimes see that as a threat as opposed to just expressing themselves. Yeah. And I think she accomplished that excellently on this first track mm-hmm. completely. Next, we're going to talk about Zora. I love the instrumentation of this song. That's kind of the production and the instrumentation throughout mm-hmm. is really excellent. It's really disarming. The intro is great with the ride cymbal. Um, that's also a theme for me. Uh, I used to be a percussionist. Still kind <laughs> of am, but I don't practice as much as I should. And I love the percussion on this album. The use, specifically, I would say, of the ride cymbal is just, I just feel it like in my bones. It's so good. I can't love it that way that you do. Um, in, in, this is not how I feel about the song. Just in terms of percussion, I yeah. don't. Uh, it, I, there's nothing about percussion that that really wows yeah. me. Unless you're doing it. Unless I see you doing <laughs> Thank it. Thank you I'm very much. Very I feel so flattered. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but so I'll take your word for that. I do like this song. Um, I do think that it also uh, challenges us to learn more about the authors or Neil Hurston has a very complicated history mm-hmm. um, in terms of criticism, not really what I want to get into here, yeah. but in terms of uh, various literary critics. Mm-hmm. And I think Jamila Wood speaks to that when she says the line that I'm going to get it wrong, but yeah. it's something like, you don't know me. Uh, it's a, you will never know everything, everything, I will never know everything, everything. But you don't know me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and that I think is maybe Jamil Wood speaking through the voice of Zora Neale Hurston mm-hmm. to those literary critics. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't know about the merits of those critical arguments, and I didn't really care to look at them because they seemed petty. But yeah. Uh, but I I really like that Jamila was sort of speaking, and not necessarily speaking up for Zora Neale Hurston, but maybe speaking as her mm-hmm. in that context. Um, yeah, I feel like she has so much empathy in these songs and the way that she's able to kind of step into these these very large shoes and and be able to walk around in them for a little bit and and truly encapsulate something special about the person she's mm-hmm. talking about um in response to to your interpretation of the song um wood said it's that other people are misunderstanding the limitations of my identity which is expansive i'm still discovering it so they can never know it fully that was for her the central theme of this song well, that's, so she's speaking for herself there, yeah. and that I think speaks to the artistry of this album overall. That she's these songs aren't really biopics. When I first saw the yeah. titles, and I kind of thought, okay, we're gonna get a song about I, I you know, Miles Davis or something yeah. like that. I thought it would actually be a biopic, and this yeah. is nothing like that. It's more difficult than a biopic. I feel Way like you more. can. Most yeah. people can make a biopic. 
generally, but it is so difficult to find the essence of the person and put it into the song. That sounds like an impossible task. Yeah. Strangely, it reminded me of another album, which is nothing like it, uh, which you introduced to me to years and years ago, which is Chicago. Or Illinois. Sorry. Chicago's the single, right? <laughs> yeah. Chicago's the single, Illinois, um, and it has Casimir Poliskide. Uh, Casimir Poliskide. Thank you. You always help me with my pronunciation. <laughs> By Sufjan Stevens. Did yes. I get that right? Yeah. Okay. At least I got the name right. Um, and, and obviously the two albums have nothing to do with each other. That one, and, and this is going to sound like I don't like the album. I love the album. But that one is much more on the nose in its references to yeah. specific Chicago yeah. things. Um, and it's not a biopic, although it does do sort of biopics of the, that yeah. murder, a serial killer. Oh, yeah, yeah, John yeah. Wayne John Wayne Gacy, Gacy Jr. It does sort of do a much more literal interpretation of yeah. Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as literal as Sufjan Stevens ever gets about anything. But the Casimir Pulaski Day song, that's about a friend dying on Casimir Pulaski Day. It's not about the actual man. And I feel like he captures something there that you wouldn't capture if it was literally like, this is a person, Mm -hmm. here is what they did. I will tell it to you. And I think that's similar to what Woods does on this album. But I think Woods is going to next level. Oh, yeah. Much more next level to the point where uh, if you weren't paying attention to the titles of the songs, I don't know that you would even... Mm -hmm. Make the connection. Make the connection, right? Yeah. Like it's really... Yeah. deeply embedded yeah and now we're gonna talk about muddy <laughs> i love the guitar on this song it's so moody and almost like grumbling um it's it just has such a, a strong character and presence in the song and i love it when a guitar does that without taking over the words of the mm-hmm. artist yeah and she starts off with uh, some particularly strong words <laughs> we're, we're not cussing on this podcast no i but... marked it as clean on anchor <laughs> but i will say I think she is very good at cursing because I think some artists curse and you don't really feel the impact of the words. But when she says it, you know exactly what she means. And you, you, she's, she's very good at using words to their full impact. And I think, I think in the beginning of Muddy, it, it's pretty arresting. <laughs> yeah. I think she clearly, uh, caught my attention and, yeah. and grabbed onto it in a way that was, fitting in terms of muddy waters as a person Mm -hmm. uh, grabbing your attention and and kind of sticking you to the wall Mm -hmm. uh, with with their words um one of my favorite refrains of uh on the album is here the like like me thing and i was reading about where that came from and wood said a theme across the album was watching interviews with artists of color where the interview is usually a white man asking the dumbest questions and then seeing how they dealt with it in this case, the guy asked Muddy Waters, it seems like the white teenagers really love your music. Do you think they could ever play the blues like you? And Muddy laughed and said, like me? <laughs> Burn. Yeah, like it. such a good response. <laughs> That's great. Because um, he's brilliant, obviously, yeah. and it's such a stupid question to ask someone. Um, and that, that defiance and that, that rightness, I think, comes across in this song. For sure. And that I'd rather stay muddy is such a deceptively simple line. Mm-hmm. Um I still don't know exactly what it means because mm-hmm. every time I hear it, it means something different, yeah. which I imagine is what she meant yeah. all along. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's a good song. Um, next, we have Basquiat. This is one of my favorites on the album. Based on your expression, I feel like we might not be in agreement. Um, and this kind of mirrors, like we won't go into it, but I like Basquiat's artwork. You don't like Basquiat's artwork. Let's not like go through a whole thing about it, but <laughs> I feel like we generally 
have mirrored reactions to the song about Basquiat too? I think mirrored is a very polite way to put it, and I'll <laughs> stick with that. Yeah. I think, um, and maybe that's it. Maybe if you like the artwork, you'll like the song. And yeah, if you, I, don't I, know. I don't know. Um, I, I, yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Um, it was not my favorite song. Um, I think the, the, are you mad? Yes, I'm mad. And <laughs> I know Sorry. I'm getting it wrong. <laughs> uh, it was kind of, uh, I can't, I don't know how to put my finger on it. It feels like poetry. It feels, yes, yes. It feels, oh, maybe it's that. Maybe it mm -hmm. feels like poetry Mm -hmm. The way that Basquiat feels like art, but it it's challenging in a way that I don't aesthetically like. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, Basquiat's an artist. He's mm -hmm. a famous artist. And yeah. he uh, has done some amazing things, you know, just like Andy Warhol before him, sort of his mentor. Um, I don't all, also gravitate towards Andy Warhol's art. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's okay. And this song, it captures all of that. It just doesn't make me gravitate towards it. Yeah. I really like the Are You Mad refrain, um, how she deals with anger in this song. She says in an interview I saw with, with Basquiat, he's asked about what makes him angry, and Basquiat just pauses for a long time and says, oh, I don't remember. <laughs> um, that's that's another brilliant line that she's kind of a pearl that she's found in the interview she was using for research. Um, and I love how she takes these direct quotations from, from interviews and kind of extrapolates them into these, these much larger songs than the quote was itself. Um, and in terms of anger, she says that she's often been complimented throughout her life for being nice or quiet or shy and, and, feels like people are complimenting her for not being angry and she says but I don't think it should be a compliment when there's so many things to be angry about um that's a really compelling idea to me and not something I'll ever fully understand because I feel like anger from white women is not politicized in the same way as from black women um but nevertheless it, it's something that that I really kind of grabbed onto in the song mm -hmm. the ride and snare in the song is <laughs> <also> really good <laughs> Okay. Um, oh, and the, the, the Saba rap, I love because I really like it when the verses in a rap, the delivery sound the way the content is, mm. the way he talks about being put on the defensive. You can feel it in his voice as he delivers those lines. Finally, we're going to talk about Baldwin. Uh, do you want to start off? Uh, sure. I think this was a candidate for my favorite song on the album. Um, it's feels I just don't know why it feels like James Baldwin and I don't know how else to describe it mm -hmm. except to say that if you are someone who's read um, any of James, Bal James Baldwin's work and if you listen to this album I, I assume or hope that you'll agree with me that somehow she captures mm -hmm. essence of him Almost as if I could hear him singing the song. I, I doubt that he's a good. He was a good singer. Hey, I, we don't know. But I mean, maybe he was. Baldwin could be a great singer. That's true. Actually, I don't know. Uh, but obviously, he was a great writer and a great speaker. You know, when I you watch old interviews of him, uh, because he at, at the time was brought on a lot of talk shows yeah. to sort of be the voice of quote unquote educated. Um, black men to mm -hmm. sort of I don't give voice to the nascent civil rights movement to you know the Dick Cavett show and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen some of those interviews and 
just hearing him talk and hearing her sing this, there's something about the two that really felt yeah. it. It's it's what on the first listen through finally made me crystallized for me. Oh, that, I get what she's doing now. She's yeah. making the songs feel like the people. And yeah. this one really brought that home for me. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a beautiful song. Yeah. And I think it deals with a really difficult issue of, of loving people even when they harm you and even when they do evil things Mm -hmm. that's a really difficult thing to think about and to grapple with and she does it she she engages with it so delicately and so thoughtfully just as james baldwin does where love is so so active and so much of a choice i think she communicates that in this song beautifully yeah yeah it definitely echoes those themes you see in his works and i think there's a line in her song something like James, this is not the the line, but the essence of it is James tells me I should love you. You know, she she questions, should I love you after all of this? Yeah, and and that and so she's trying to interpret James Baldwin's advice, perhaps Mm -hmm. in her own situation, and I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Um. Did we want to talk about the album as a whole, or do you think we've kind of covered I that? I mean, yeah, usually we try to look at the album as a whole. and Usually we say on a second episode. <laughs> yeah, in these many, many episodes we've done, uh, and try to maybe determine if there's a con- concept here that runs through. I think the conceptualness of this album is so obvious yeah. uh, that maybe to talk about it would be belaboring yeah. the point. We've kind of been talking about it yeah. the whole time. And uh, I didn't get it, uh, really, the first time around, mm-hmm. um, but... That's what ultimately has driven me to, to learn more and to think more about mm-hmm. all of this, which which maybe was one of her purposes. You know, it she's she's citing legacies, but not all of these artists of color are kind of in that the the classic, um, for lack of a better word, kind of white viewed or um, yeah, I don't know the, what I'm trying to the say. Panthe- the, like, not really the pantheon. I, the of... pantheon, which is often put together by, you know, literary critics who tend to be white. Yeah. Not all of them are in that pantheon. And I think she's trying to say there are these other people yeah. who are legacies in the community. Who are legends. And legends. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, who have legacies. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's really great i think it's it's a great voice telling those stories across time yeah and connecting them to her own story like we didn't talk about giovanni but the way that she Mm. creates this epic story where she's blending the poetry of nikki giovanni with her own experiences and her own family Mm -hmm. it's it's really striking and and impressive and and just so cool (laughs) i keep I keep calling this yeah. album cool because I don't know what else to say. I just think it's brilliant. All right. If you get to talk about a song, then I can talk about a song. I just wanted to mention my favorite line was on Miles. Um, I can't read the whole line because, again, so it's got a curse word. Like uh, don't call me a legend. <laughs> yeah, don't call me a legend till I kick the bucket. Never could define me. Never could define me. So, so F it. Yeah. Blank. Yeah. I think that's it's a great pretty line. awesome. Yeah. Um, and the way she sings it is so <laughs> – it, it just – I love it when the, the, as I was talking about with the Saba rap, the way she sings it sounds exactly like what she's saying, which yeah. is which is great. Um, my favorite song on this album is Basquiat. Um, <laughs> I just think it's great. Um, there's so many great tracks, though. We didn't talk about Sun, Sun Ra, and I just wanted to shout it out as being like so ethereal and beautiful and a really great kind of ode to an Afrofuturist legend. Um my least favorite is probably Eartha. I love all the songs on this album. I just don't love the production on Eartha. That's literally the only thing mm-hmm. p- 
putting it in my least favorite. Um, it's such a technicality, but it's it's a testament to how good I think this album is. Yeah. Because of the re-podcast re that we're doing now, yeah. I've, I've lived with this album longer than mm -hmm. I would have originally. Yeah. And it's opened my eyes to something, you know, now that we're deep into our second episode, <laughs> uh, that I think the longer I live with the music, the more I'm going to like it. Mm -hmm. I, In general, this album has risen in my esteem more. Yeah in the two or three weeks since I yeah. first heard it. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's just because when you get introduced to something, I, or when I get introduced to something, I don't necessarily gravitate towards it immediately. Um, so, But one thing I did notice upon my latest re-listen is that I don't have strong, strong opinions mm -hmm. about any of these songs in a negative way. Yeah. I don't have strong, strong, strong positive opinions either. Like mm -hmm. there seems to be a... It's not a sameness because each song is unique, yeah. but there's a sameness to the way that I feel about many of them. Um, and it's generally a positive feeling. So it's hard to pick favorite and, yeah. and kind of yeah. least favorite. But if I had to, uh, my favorite is Betty. It's the one that I first got into. Yeah. And, um, and I still listen to it again today. And I thought, yep, yeah. this is a jam. I like yeah. this. <laughs> and it's fully put into contrast with my least favorite. <laughs> Which is a song we haven't mentioned, which is the, what's it called? Betty for Boogie. Yeah, Betty, Betty for Boogie. It's a remix at the end of the album. And Maeve is rolling her eyes at me, I think, uh, <laughs> for not liking this. It just really brought home how much production can change the feel of a song. Yeah, and I, I clearly did not like the way it changed. Yeah, uh, it reminded me yeah. of the um, the like project, the assignment you do in film class where you cut up you cut up a movie and make a trailer of it as a different genre. That's like, right, like that Scary Mary. Scary Mary, Mary Poppins as a horror movie. Yeah. Um, I like it kind of because, A, it's an ode to Chicago house music, and I like how she takes kind of the foundations of the Betty song and finds a way to make it into this whole new thing. Um, and also it's, it's dedicated to a friend, Boogie McLaren, who was met through young Chicago authors, who's a house dance creator and educator. Um, I, I love that she kept this this song that's dedicated to a friend on the record i'm curious why it's the last song on the record just because baldwin feels like such a perfect It'd be ending. a great way to end the album and yeah i think this uh, why not release this as a single yeah or, or like on a yeah. deluxe edition i, I think it's that. great and i'm happy that it's on the album i just I, I think baldwin is such a strong ending and maybe it it's maybe maybe that's what i was reacting to mm -hmm. by coming back to betty you're kind yeah. of what are you saying? Like, well, was, maybe it's cyclical. Maybe it's cyclical, and maybe maybe that's it. I think, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, the 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 way in which her words were clipped and the 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 tempo, the music, yeah. everything was changed, yeah. and it sort of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. That said, it it would be a much better song to hear in a club or, you yeah, know, totally. than than yeah. the first version of Betty. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Um. So I wanted to quickly share my favorite lyrics on the record. We haven't talked about Sonia. I really love this song. And there's a Nitty Scott line. Um, now I only trust patterns, not apologies. It's such a succinct way of putting that. Um, I also really like on Zora, none of us are free, but some of us are brave. That's also a really beautiful line. Uh, finally, dad's going to render his final judgment. <laughs> I don't have judgments. to do this. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I don't have to do this because I love all the albums I bring on here. He doesn't necessarily have to love all the albums. So tier one is if Maeve plays this in the car, I will tell her to turn it off. Tier two is if Maeve plays this in the car, I will enjoy it. Tier three is I will seek this out on my own. 
All right. And final judgments. Uh, I, I, I don't think, honestly, I'm going to seek this out on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but that, that that's largely a function of the fact that I don't listen to music much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I don't seek a lot of things out on yeah. my own. Uh, and so that I think we need to establish early on in the podcast is a very high bar to reach. Yeah. Uh, that said, uh, I have grown to like this album uh, over the past three weeks. I like, uh, you know, that line I, when... What song it is it again with the <laughs> muddy? When muddy comes on, I am gonna like be bouncing my head, you know, <laughs> right yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and although I wouldn't approve necessarily of playing it in the car when your younger sister is there, uh, I I certainly would enjoy it if you yeah. played it in the car. So yeah. I think that's where we're gonna land on the album. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to our second episode of Dad Discovers Music. Apologies again for the first version of this. I hope this has been better. Um, please leave us feedback at daddiscoversmusic at gmail.com. Um, our Twitter is dad underscore discovers. Thank you to my aunt, Beanie, for coming up with the idea for this podcast. Um, and especially in this really difficult times, please support the artists you love as you are able. Thank you. Thank you.